0: So we are back to studying the, the book of James, the epistle of James. Right? We took a break for the summer. We, we talked about the character of God, which was a wonderful topic. But now we're back at work talking about studying the book of James together. As a review, the book of James is perhaps one of the most practical books of the Bible. Even though it doesn't contain you know, direct theology as Ephesians or 1 Corinthians does, James deals with how a Christian ought to live in their everyday life. And James' instruction today has to do with, it's perhaps the most practical, because it has to do with the words that we use, how we speak in our day-to-day life. He's addressing the way we speak today So I'm going to give a little bit of warning. It might get a little bit um, challenging. Because perhaps today's word will reveal a lot about who we are. Because there's nothing that reveals clearly than who we are, than our words. That's one of the main points that James is saying. Do you know what your inner person is like? You don't have to go far. Just look at the words. Just listen to the words that you speak, how, how you speak. Your words, your mouth will reveal your nature. So perhaps throughout the, during the course of this sermon, you will be challenged, perhaps offended. But the purpose of this sermon is not to offend you or even challenge you, but it is to point you back to Jesus Christ and of, your, of our need for him. So that's a little bit of, like, warning label that I'm sticking in today's sermon before we begin. Okay? All right. You all have been warned, right? Someone told me, I like they like the fact that I give warnings now. Before I didn't give warnings, the people were just, like, hit with offensive things. But now I'm giving you a warning. You may get offended today. All right? Let's go. Words. What sets us human beings apart from all the creatures in creation is our ability to communicate. David Berlinski, the mathematician, the physicist, he's a mathematician, right? He says, what sets human beings apart from all other species is our innate ability to acquire language. And I know some of you, some perhaps some on this side of the room will say, animals communicate all the time too, PJ. Dolphins communicate. Yeah, that's true. Dolphins make that noise. That's how dolphins speak, right? And, you know, chimpanzees communicate, but dolphins and chimpanzees cannot write Macbeth. They can't write C++ source computer, computer language books. They cannot use their communication skills to design an iPhone. They cannot use their, you know, communication ability to create the Avenger. You can't. It is the human being that can use our language to express complex thought, right? To, to, to communicate and, and with our ability really to communicate, co- create complex reality. It is the only that like, human beings can do this. Why are we able to do this? Evolution, the unbelievers would say. But I think that's a very shallow understanding. For the Christian, we know that human beings have this innate ability to communicate. Not only the ability, not only the ability to communicate, the need to communicate, because we're made in, in the in the image of God. God is a God who speaks. Our God is not a God who is death. Our God is a God who speaks. How do you know? Genesis chapter 1. With his word, he created existence. Uh, Let's see. Reality is not silent, like I said in the beginning. He not only created all of reality with his word, but he maintains, sustains, governs reality with his voice. Physics, quantum physicists say, the universe is made up of information. It is made up of just information flowing everywhere. In the quantum level, in the smallest level of existence, there is information flowing. Do you know there's information flowing within your cells? The way your cells replicate and build is because Coding, information is being communicated within you. The reality is like, in my opinion, The Matrix, right? Have you seen the trailer for The Matrix? Do you know The Matrix, by the way? Young people, do you know Matrix, the movie? Anyway, even if you don't know, The so Matrix is about this, like, we're all living in a computer world type of thing, right? But f- for the main character, when he starts seeing reality for what it is, when he opens his eyes, he sees reality as a bunch of codes. There's just codes everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? When the main character, counter Reeves, whoa, open his eyes, he goes, whoa. And he sees reality of computer coding everywhere. I think that's similar to the way the reality is governed. It is governed by information. That is God's voice maintaining, sustaining, creating existence as we know it right now. Like I said before, even your very cells of your body is communicating information. God sustains your body through information. He speaks now. But not only does He govern all things with, create all things and govern all things with information, by His grace, He makes human beings know who He is through the giving of His Word. His Word is means in which he communicates to us he informs us of who he is god speaks to his people through his word this bible will, will, will communicate to us who god is jesus christ in john chapter 1 says john says jesus christ is the living word he is the word of god he is the logos he is the logic of existence. God speaks, y'all. Whether it's through creation, whether it's through his word, whether it's through his spirit, God speaks. And we're made in the image of God who speaks. We have this innate ability to communicate. We have this innate need to communicate because we're made in the image of God. Praise the Lord. Right? But our words are not only, we, are, we have the ability to communicate because we're made in the image of God. Our words, you must remember, are powerful. Our words can be used to give life to people. Our words can also be used to destroy people. That's James' main point today. Christians should be very careful. Christians should tame their tongues. Because our words are powerful tools. It can give life to someone, or it can destroy someone. Isn't that not true? I was listening to an interview with a Korean movie director. And this movie director is known for his very positive outlook of life. In the interview, I said, why are you so positive? You're not, you know, your movies haven't been that successful, right? I think he had maybe one hit movie in the last 30 years. But why are you so positive? He says, I think the secret of my positivity came when I was a little kid. He says, when he was a little kid, he couldn't, he didn't get good grades. And all of you from the Asian culture will know, not getting good grades from an Asian, Asian household, that's like the source of great shame, Right? So he couldn't study well. He learned one, two, three right before he entered kindergarten. He couldn't even know what one, he could even count until he went to kindergarten. But contrastly, his cousins were like academic superstars. You know, you have some cousins who are academic superstars, right? Maybe not you, but you have family members who are academic superstars. And when they have family gatherings. And when they, when, when the elder folks of the family starts comparing this movie director with the academic superstars, this academic, this movie director felt horrible about his grades. So one time he would just after the family gathering, he would go to his room and he started crying, and he started feeling really bad about himself. He said, "Why am I so dumb? Why can I? Why do I not? Why don't? Why don't I have the brains to to, to study well?" His father. Came into his room and says, Don't worry about your grades, man. I didn't get grades either, good grades either when I was your age. But look at me now. I own my own company. He says that those words that his father spoke to him when he was in the fourth grade, that formulated how he felt about himself from that moment on. Even though he's not the most successful movie director in Korea that doesn't affect how he views himself. Because his father's words, when he was in the fourth grade, no longer make make him realize success doesn't define who he is. It is his father's comment that changed his life. Words can do that, y'all. Words can change someone's life. Words can destroy. Do I need to give you an illustration of words destroy? Aren't most marriages, aren't most marriages that are not good marriages, are, are horrible marriages because of the words the husband and wife speak to one another? Look at abused children. Look at the verbally abused children. They don't grow up to be normal adults. Words destroy. James warns us about our words because our words are source of great power. You need to understand this. Your words are source of great power. And what Spider-Man teaches us is what? With great power comes great... That's right. With great power, which you have with your tongue, comes great responsibility. You should not, you should be very mindful, James says, of how you yield this power that you have. Are you being challenged yet? You feel a little bit pricked? James chapter three, verse one. James not only gives warning about yielding great responsibility with our words, but verse 1, he specifically addresses the words that people use if they want to be teachers, right? The warning he gives in verse 1, he gives to Christians who want to be teachers. Verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So James gives warning to the would-be small group leader, Sunday school teacher, pastor, youth Bible study teacher, whoever wants to teach the Word of God, James gives great warning. He's saying, before you want to, be, you want to teach, know this, Anyone, small group leader, pastor, Sunday school teacher, anyone who wants to be, who, who's going to teach the Word of God, God is going to judge that person more strictly. God is going to judge every word that comes out of our mouth. That's true. That Bible is clearly true. In the day of judgment, God will judge everything that came out of our mouths. But He'll be more strict for people who had teaching offices within the church. Why is James giving that warning? Did he try to dissuade people not serving the church? No. James is giving this warning because James has a great reverence for the word of God. Words are powerful, True. But the words of God, teaching the word of God is more powerful because the word of God, because teaching the word of God has the ability to save someone's soul or it has the ability to destroy someone's soul. The word of God is the instrument in which he uses to save people, to save the souls, to save the inner being of people. Romans chapter 10, faith comes from the hearing of God's word. The only way that you be saved unto salvation is through listening to the word of God. Proper teaching, proper teaching about God and the gospel will save someone's soul. Proper teaching will not only save someone's soul, but it will make the person grow. Example, Paul writes books of Ephesians, Colossians, Thessalonians, right? Ephesians, and Corinthians. All these epistles, what what did they have in common? These epistles were written to, to church members who were once pagans. They had no idea about who God is because these pagans were not raised Jewish. They, they worship some crazy deity like Diana or Zeus. But these pagan people, they became, their souls became saved. How? Because by because Paul preached to them. Ephesians, Philippians, Thessalonians, First Corinthians are examples of what God can do with his word, saving pagans and making them children of God. Not only that, Paul says in Thessalonians chapter 1, not only will Thessalonians become Christians because they heard the word of God, but they're continually being built up in their faith through the word of God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, the great weapon that we have against the spiritual dark forces of this world is the word of God. It is the very words of God that can can give life to the person who is spiritually dead to give hope to those who are hopeless to bring God into their lives. The word of God is a source of great power. If you teach it properly, if you teach it with reverence, With humility, God can use your teaching to save someone's soul, including your children. The great compliment that I got a couple of weeks ago, I'm not going to embarrass this person, but this person came up to me and says, you know, every Sunday I listen to you preach, and I get rejuvenated. I go, thank you, man. But in my heart, did I say, yeah, you're the man, PJ. Good job, man. No. When that guy said, every Sunday when I hear you preach, I'm rejuvenated to live another week. I said, praise God, that's exactly how it's supposed to be. Christians, you're supposed to be rejuvenated by the word of God. You understand? Because the word of God can do that to you. Most of you here that I'm looking at are here this morning and, be, and your lives have been transformed because God has used his word to transform you. You are living examples of what the word of God can do, right? But on the flip side is an incorrect teaching of God can destroy your soul. An incorrect, improper Teaching of God can kill someone's soul. Listen, Genesis chapter three. How did how did Satan tempt Eve? He tempted Eve by giving her a false idea about God. Did God really say you can't eat anything in this garden? God didn't say that. He's twisting God's word. But notice this: Satan never tells Eve that God doesn't exist. Right? Satan doesn't tell if God doesn't exist. He twists the word of God. This is the same way that Satan tempts Jesus in the desert. Jesus, before the beginning of his ministry here, he was in the desert for 40 days, right? And Satan comes and teaches him. Examine how Satan tempts Jesus. He uses the Psalms. He twists the Psalms to tempt Jesus. Satan's primary weapon to destroy people is to twist the word of God. Notice, he doesn't say God doesn't exist. He twists it. Just a little. When we listen to those false teachings, our souls die. That's why the great enemy of the early church. For 300 years, Christians were persecuted by the Roman government. But more dangerous than the government who killed Christians, the number one enemy of the early church was not the government who persecuted them, but it's the false teachers in the church. Government persecution made the church grow more, right? It expanded the church. What is killing the church? What killed the church is the is the false teaching from within. Whether it be it the, 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 the Gnostics, whether it's the Gnostics, or whether it is the Pelagianist, or whether it is, you know, the Arianists, whatever it is, these theology, these things, these incorrect false teaching started to kill the church. Europe. Was once the center of Christianity for a thousand years. You know what killed Europe, faith-wise? Liberal theologians who combined Christianity with human philosophy. Theology plus philosophy. They they it gave birth to this perverted liberal like. Useless theology that killed the church. False teachings killed the church. What is plaguing modern Christianity is two things, I think. Number one, ignorance of God's word. People just don't know what's in God's word. And number two, false understanding about God. God is a non-judgy god is your best friend type of people person and you hold on to that incorrect understanding about god it is our incorrect understanding about god that is making our faith non-existent because faith once again comes from the mind's understanding of proper the mind's proper understanding about god If you don't have a proper understanding about God, you cannot have genuine faith. It doesn't work that way. Therefore, people who are going to teach other people about God, you need to be very careful, James says. Because if you miscommunicate about who God is to other people, you can you Satan can use your teaching to make that make the person stumble. So be very careful. For those of you who are Sunday school teachers or small group leaders, God bless you for your service. I'm really genuinely thankful for your service. But James' warning is directed at you. Serving Sunday school or youth group or, or small group, God is not pleased just because you serve. What he is pleased with is, do you teach properly? What is your understanding about God? Do you have a proper understanding about God? If you don't have a proper understanding of God, please do not teach for your sake and for the sake of the church. You should not be teaching if you don't have a truthful understanding about God. Because the incorrect teaching, incorrect teaching, can lead to death. Therefore, James says, if you're going to teach, it comes with a warning. He's going to teach, judge you for how you, what the, of the materials that you taught. So, small group leaders, Sunday school teachers, youth workers. If you're going to teach, you've got to make sure that you know what you're talking about. You have a proper understanding about God. Do it, if you're going to teach smogger, for example, do it reverently, do it humbly, depend on God in your preparation. Make sure that what you teach is backed up by the Bible. Okay? That's verse one. Oh man, it's okay. I can, if, if I go over, I can just continue next week because we're doing James. Verse two, James says, "For we all stumble in many ways, and that's true. Christians, while we're living in this world, we stumble. Stumble means we want there is a way that God wants us to live. And we really want to live that way. But oftentimes, obstacles get in the way of living the way God, living, for us to live the way that God wants us to live. And that object of stumbling is oftentimes from within us, right? So James, so, James is acknowledging verse 2 For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. What does James mean? He means, yes, we all stumble. We all stumble. Christians stumble. But it doesn't mean Christians do not grow. Guys, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is ministering to you. If the Holy Spirit ministers to you, how can you not grow? The, project, the, pro- the, project, the progression of the Christian life is, is you grow and you, and you stumble, but you grow and you stumble. But it is an ever-increasing upward mobility. Yes, there are seasons of struggling, there are moments of struggling, and it's true. Maybe Monday I do well, Tuesday I struggle, but Wednesday I, 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 I'm back at it again. But there is a progression of upward mobility. If you're a Christian, there has to be growth. you cannot be stagnant that's not how christianity works because the holy spirit is active in our lives if you're a christian how do you know that you're growing what is the evidence of your growth james is saying it's by what is by it's, by it's through your words james says If you can tame your tongue, you're a perfect person. He's not saying that you can perfectly tame your tongue. That's not what he says. Clearly, later on in the verses, he says no human being can tame the tongue. What he's saying here is, not be perfect, but he's saying the measurement of perfection, the measurement of your growth, can be traced by your words. How you speak, is evidence of your growth. People say, what is is the measurement? How do I know whether I'm maturing in the Lord? Is it the length that I pray? Is it the passion in which that I pray? Is it my growing knowledge, theological knowledge? Are those the measurement of your growth? Is it the experience that I have? Is that the measurement of my growth? James says no. The true measurement of whether you are growing in the Lord, the true measurement of whether even you're saved, Is the words that you use, the things that come out, that's coming out of your mouth. That's the measurement. What is coming out of your mouth? Are you taming your tongue? Do you have discipline over what comes out of your mouth? That's the measurement. Look, when we talk about taming the tongue, we just think about maybe taming the tongue is about me not saying bad things. If I just, taming the tongue, maybe you think, is about me not saying stupid things or hurtful things. Me not just not doing these bad things. That's taming the tongue. That's not necessarily true. Yes, discipline is needed to not say hurtful, destructive things. Yes, that's true. But taming the tongue is more than not saying certain things. Taming the tongue also means, having control over your tongue also means, saying the right things. Not just saying the wrong things, having a discipline over your tongue means, do you use your tongue to say the right things? ¿Ya comprende? It's not only not saying dumb things and hurtful things, but more importantly, do you say the right things with your tongue? What is the number one reason why God gave us the ability to speak? You know what what, what it is? What is the number one reason why God God gave you and me the ability to speak? The number one reason, wait for it, is to praise His name. The number one reason why God gave us the ability for language and for us to speak is to praise God's name. Are you using your tongue to praise God's name? What does it mean to praise God's name? How do you praise God's name? Simply put, I think praising, God's, praising God means telling God who he is. Praising God's name means in your prayer, in these songs, telling God who he is. That's the number one purpose of your tongue. Are you using your tongue to do that? If not, the reason why you are not praising God's name is because you don't know his characteristics. You don't know his characteristics because you are ignorant of his word. Guys, the reason, number one purpose of your quiet time is this. So that you will discover more and more about God. Yes, prayer, you, you, you ask God, you ask God for things, and I, I know I can't live through anything without God, and that's true, and I ask Him, and I plead with Him for many things, but that's not the prime focus of my prayer. The f- prime focus of your prayer is to tell God who He is. How do you tell God who He is? Study the Word. The number one pr- goal for your quiet time is to discover more about God. Why am I holding up this Bible? Because I got this Bible yesterday. The Reformation Study Bible. I'm plugging this. It's a fantastic Bible. It has, It's the most helpful study Bible I have ever had. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm including MacArthur Study Bible. It's better than the MacArthur Study Bible. It has, it's simple to read. It's clear to read. It has theological lessons. It has a Bible reading plan. It has catechisms. It's a wonderful thing. The reason I got this, it is so that I will have a better tool so that I will understand who God is. The reason why you're, quiet, you're not doing your quiet time is because you think it's the same. You think it's the same, empty, ritualistic thing practice. No, that's not what quiet time is supposed to be. Quiet time is supposed to be is quiet time is you're Indiana Jones and you're trying to discover who God is. Do you understand? $66. $70 in Amazon. Get it. Use it to discover who God is. And after you discover who God is in the morning, tell God who he is based on your understanding about who he is. That's the purpose of your tongue, to tell God who he is. Are you doing that? If not, you're not properly taming your tongue. Are you using your tongue to bring life to people? We bring life to our people with our tongues by speaking truth to them. Gentle but firm truth to people. Are you doing that? Using your tongue, tongue, using your tongue properly means also encouraging people, communicating your love for them, encouraging them. Are you using your tongue that way? That's how you properly yield its power. James is saying, in verse 3, you got to be very careful in the proper use of your tongue because your tongue will set the direction and the fruit of your life. Verse 3, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Verse 4, Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Verse 3, verse 4, James gives an illustration of how a small part of either a horse or a ship can control the direction of that animal or the ship. pastor that I often follow, Andy Davis, he says, we cannot make the horse plow the field. A farmer cannot make the horse plow the field. He can't. The only way that the farmer can control the beast is through the bit. You know what the bit is, right? You yank it and the horse goes that. The bit controls the, controls the horse. The rudder of the ship. John, is this, is this how the rudder still works now in ships? Okay, really? All right. the... Interesting. Sean knows all about ships. Sean knows. Sean is a naval engineer, right? And he does impressive things. But Sean knows what controls the ship is the rudder. James is giving this illustration to tell us this. What sets the course and the direction of your life? What sets the fruit of your life? It's how you speak. Imagine this. Imagine that you're the type of person whose habit, whose daily habit is to discover about who God is, telling God who he is. If that is your consistent way you live your life, if the chief purpose of your daily life is to tell God who he is after discovering about God, you don't think that's going to make a difference in the way you live? If God is always in your mind, and if praising God is always on your mind, as, as your mind is, have a fuller understanding of who He is, all there, everything in your life will start to look different. Constantly praising God, you start to frame everything in the light of god and when you f- frame everything in the light of god everything has meaning the way you live will change do you understand if you're if you use your tongue to encourage and to show kindness to your spouse Consistently. Won't the fruit of your marriage change? Maybe changing your marriage, making your marriage more beautiful and fruitful, maybe it's not that hard. Maybe it's all about using the proper words. It will change the way you raise your children, the way you use your tongue it will set the direction and the fruit of your life. Your words have the ability to do that. But James also warns, your words have the ability to set everything on fire. Verse 5, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great A forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Most forest fires, mass fires that is consuming California, by the way, how do they usually start? By a small spark of fire. One small spark of fire can make the state state of California burn. James is warning, your words, your tongue can set everything afire in your life. Pastor Andy Davis again. He gave, he gave, he did a favor for me. He alphabetically lists the, 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 the sin that comes out of our mouths, right? But this is an alphabetical list of the words. Of, 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 of sinful way that we use our words. Word, this, is, this is a list of words in Number one, arguing. Do you use your words to argue? Blaspheming. Do you use your word to blaspheme against God? Boasting, coarse speech, complaining, cursing, deceit, do you use your word to disrespect someone? Do you use your word to exaggerate? Teach false doctrine? Say filthy jokes? Empty flattery? Foolish talk? Do you use your word to gossip? Insult? Lie? Mock? Rebel? Sarcasm? Seduction? Slander? Threats? and words of unbelief. The question is, how do you use your word? Do you use your words, oftentimes, is is it for praise, is it for encouragement, for love, for truth? Or are more words coming out of your mouth is about, are words coming out of your mouth more about arguing, slandering, gossiping, complaining, sarcasm, Empty flattery? Condemning? Judging? On an average, life, what is the more of a reality of your words? Is it life-giving words? Or is it condemning words? You know, they say an average person speaks 1,800 to 25 words a day. So 1,800 to 25 words come out of our mouths every day, they say. And there there are 7.5 billion people in the world, give or take, right? So 1,800 to 2,500 words per person, and there are 7.5 billion people in the world. That comes out to be 150 trillion words being spoken every day in the world. Let me ask you this of the 150 trillion words that are spoken in the world. How many do you think of those words belong to, are are words of life? And how many words are spoken are the words of death? 50-50? You think 50% of the words are positive and 50% of the words are negative? Let's be real here. I asked my daughter this question. She says, yeah, most of the words that come out of people's mouths are the latter. No wonder this world is 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 the way it is. How about you? What word comes out every month on a regular basis? What which words govern your marital relationships? What type of words govern your relationship with God? What type of words govern the way you speak to one another in church? Is it life giving? Or life-taking. James says, tame your tongue, man. Tame your tongue. It's almost over, so I gotta continue next week. Right? Because kids are here, so you know, I understand. So I'm very good. I'm gonna be disciplined about when I end. A little bit of preview. How do you tame your tongue? Tame your tongue is perhaps the most important thing they can do. How do you tame it? James says in verse 8, I think. Is it verse 8? James says, You can't do it. No human being is able to tame your tongue. You can't do it. It's weird, isn't it? James says, Be really careful about the way you speak, but verse 8 says, No human beings can do it. So, how do you tame your tongue? Tame your tongue stems from the understanding what comes out of your mouth the source of the words that comes out of your mouth is your inner being your words are coming out of an inner being that's what jesus says jesus says what comes out of your heart is deceit and lies and blasphemy your tongue is just a muscle right what comes out of it is a condition of your heart the only way that you can tame what comes out of your mouth is to change the condition of your heart. That's the only way. Jesus has come to change your inner being. Jesus didn't come to send you to heaven. He came to change your inner being. Because your inner being and my inner being is all about myself. The center point of my inner being is myself. If someone inconveniences me, if I don't find someone acceptable, I have no problem using my tongue to condemn that person. Yesterday, for example, I went to Pete's, right, at Fairfax Corner. My wife wanted it. So I go, okay, because I'm a good husband. I was kind of worried I was going to run into you because you know, I had my slippers on and my hair wasn't done and stuff. But, you know, what am I going to do? My wife wanted it. So I was going to Pete's at Fairfax Corner. And as I was going out of, going out of that coffee shop, there's this Korean dude who was really loud. I didn't know him. right? He was just being really loud and passionate. And Maybe because I was, this sermon was on my mind, I could feel my thoughts saying, condemning that dude. I don't know him at all. He's a fellow Korean brother. Because you know how we all look like Koreans, right? I go, yeah, he's clearly Korean. But that dude was loud. So I almost used my words to condemn that dude. To my wife, not to him because he's bigger than me. I know that, I don't know, he doesn't he mean nothing wrong, but the simple fact that he inconvenienced me, I wanted to curse him. That's where this destructive words come out, from my inner being. Jesus has come to change your inner being. And if he has saved you, He's going to work his spirit in you so that your inner being will be more consistent with who he is. The way you tame your tongue is your inner being must change. And not only that, Jesus Christ must continually work his work in you so that your inner being can mature. How does your inner being mature? Through God's word. My old seminary professor, Sinclair Ferguson, says, how do you control your tongue? He says, your tongues do not have ears, right? The only way that you can tame your tongue is for your ears to hear the word of God constantly. God works in your inner being through his word. That's the only way you can control what comes out of your mouth. Do you understand let his word control your words. That, James, is his point. More of that next week because my time is done. Let us pray. Father. You have given us the ability to speak. The reason you gave us words and the tongue to express those words, those thoughts, is so that we can praise your name and so that we could use our words to give life to people. It is a source of great power. But we confess, Lord rather than using our words to praise your name and to give life to people. Our words were often used as a source of destruction. We weaponized our words to destroy people's character, to destroy people's feelings, to destroy people's worth. Especially, we, we use our words to hurt the people that we love the most. Our tendency to do this reflects the corruption of our inner inner being. Because our inner being is still suppressing the truth of God and making it all about ourselves. Kind words cannot flow out of our our mouths. Therefore, Lord, we need your grace to to change our inner beings so that our words can can be that of life rather than death. We pray, Lord, they may my brothers and sisters here as they return to their lives after this service. Make it the highest priority to praise your name. Make it the highest priority to know, to discover you through your word, and to and to express to you who you are. May that praising, may that understanding that leads to praise be the way, be the be the truth that govern their lives. So that, so that their words, so that our words, can be the source of life rather than death. We pray that you will heal those of us who are sick. Some of our members are gravely ill. We pray that your healing hands will be upon their cells, upon their doctors who minister to them, the medicines that they take. We pray for that healing. We pray that you give hope to the hopeless. We give that you give answers to those who are lost. But we pray that you will make whole those of us who are broken. All these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's the last.